Hey, uh, if you're watching from home, we will, uh, be, uh, Pastor Bob will be posting it a little bit later on because I know you want to get that on your playlist uh, right away. Uh, but welcome, welcome. Uh, hey, listen, if you missed yesterday's Man Up Breakfast, man, we had a great turnout for our first Man Up Breakfast back. Pastor Ben shared a word, challenging word, did an incredible job. And I hope you'll come out. It's the second Saturday of every month. Um, this past Wednesday started a new Wednesday night series called A Different Way of Thinking. How many know it's a lot easier to find the negative on social media or on the news than it is anything positive? And so we've got to learn to approach things, see things in a different light. So I encourage you to come out 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We've got something for everyone. Um, also, we've got our Celebrate Recovery that kicked back in gear this past Thursday, uh, meeting at 6.15, uh, not serving a meal yet uh, because of everything. Also, uh, I'm excited about this. Uh, AA reached out uh, through, through Danny and them uh, about hosting an AA meeting here at our church on Tuesday night. And they actually, I called him to get the information. He said, oh, we started that last Tuesday night. I'm like, awesome, awesome. So 7.30 in the fellowship hall. We've got a lot of things going on here, and we believe God, has, God put us here for more than just to meet one day a week. Amen? Well, happy Mother's Day. It's going to be a rough one. I can tell. Hey, uh, this is actually um, my first Mother's Day without my mom. Um, uh, it, it's, and, and so I have... You know, I think about her daily, but this week has really been one where she has been on my mind. And it's also the first Mother's Day of this church's history without the mother of this house, one of the founding or the founders of this place, you know. And, and like I said, I miss her daily. But And I've been thinking about stuff like, what, what would she be thinking right now, like about the video? What would she be thinking? That's my, that's my boy. That's my boy. Uh, I thought, what would she be doing with this pandemic that's going on? Here's what I know, and, and if you know my mom, you know this. Nobody's going to tell her where she can and can't go. That was her, even her boys. Uh, we didn't tell her. Uh, uh, Casey posted a picture. He said, I think this was one of those pictures because mom was sick, and she wanted to go riding around with her friend Donna. And Casey was, no, mom, the doctor said this. Finally, Casey said, I just gave him and said, go do what you want to do, mom. And he's got a picture of her driving away with Donna. <laughs> she did what she wanted to do. You know, uh, but I grew up, I did, I grew up with a rich heritage. Um, man, my, I, I grew up watching my mom and dad um, minister I, I grew up i i literally i was in the in, in church every time the doors were open and days when the doors were not open i mean we were there and i grew up watching mom and dad minister mom playing the piano i grew up in a, in a musical family um and my i listen grand piano i literally people that know uh, from back then could she would play it so hard that it would, it would the uh, whatever it is, the paint or whatever, come off the notes. And you would see her one hand up, the other hand playing, and she just bouncing and she's going. And, and, but here's the thing about mom, even on stage, uh, if I'm sitting out there, mom was up here on stage doing worship or playing, 
and I was doing something I shouldn't have been doing, she didn't have to say a word. All she had to do was look at me a certain way. And I knew if I didn't straighten up, it was not going to be pretty when I got home. See, I grew up in a time when parents actually disciplined their kids. I grew up in a time where uh, we, we, we would like, some of, the way, some of the ways I see people, uh, kids talk to their parents today, come on now. If I talked that way to my mom and dad, I knew better. I knew I'd be picking myself out of a corner somewhere. You know, it just, but, but mom had this way of looking. And even when I was an adult and began pastoring here after my dad had passed and she had a stroke, I could begin, because if y'all think I'm raw today, listen, I have grown a filter more than I, I've got, my wife thinks. Because <laughs> there's been many times she had to apologize for what I said because I wasn't about to. But no, so, <laughs> no. But mom would be sitting right there and I could just see her. And I knew. Okay, Kelly, stop what you're saying. And now Denise has felt the need to, to inherit that ministry from my mom, and she gives it. But I believe whether you're a mother or not, every woman has that superpower where they don't need words. They just need to look at you a certain way, and you, you know what they're saying. Come on. Men, can I get a witness? Come on. They're like, well, it's Mother's Day. I'm trying to be nice, Pastor. But I've experienced them. And here's, here's confession time. Let's, I know it's going to shock some of you. I've never been a mom. And I know, it's shocking. I've never been a mom, but I'm, I'm going to make some statements that I guarantee are truthful about mothers. One, one is this. There are days when a mom, you have good days and you have bad days as a mom. Ladies, is that correct? Uh, there, there are days when, when it seems like you are knocking it out of the park as a mom. You're like, I am killing it. You should have a shirt that reads, World's Greatest Mom. And then there are days when you want to duct tape your kid to a wall and just walk out of the room. Come on. Hey, listen. I'm around your kids. I want to duct tape them to the wall. But you have those days. And, and these past couple of months, we've seen uh, moms become teachers. Teachers stay teachers. They're looking forward to that time off. But no, now they're at home with the kids. And I've seen all the posts on social media. You'll see this mother over here post, oh, what a blessing. This quarantine has been such a blessing to me. Uh, I've gotten to know my kids. It's brought our family closer together god thank you so much for this time and then i'll read another post of another mother who's god why did you do this to me this is hell get me out of here come on you you've got them different they're, they're women young and old man it's it's been tougher and, and here's what i know whether you're the first group or say there have been moments when it's been tough it's been tough and here's what i know whether you're a mother or not uh, just uh, uh, a woman, men, women alike. This has been a tough year in different aspects. This has been a tough year. And, and, if, and I'm so glad you're here. If you're part of that, they say, man, there have been days I've thought about calling it quits. I've just been done with it. 
nothing's going. If that's you, I'm glad you're here. If that's not you, you're not there yet, I'm glad you're here. Because I guarantee you, you're going to have one of those days. When you're just like, I, I'm ready to call it quits. Uh, if you will, turn with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 7. If you don't have a Bible, guys, I'm going to bring it up here on the screen for you. Uh, this is a familiar story, uh, one of my favorite stories. But if you're not familiar with it, man, just I, I love people that are not familiar because this is one of my favorites. But here in Luke 7, Jesus has been invited to a dinner party. If you were here last week, we talked about another dinner party that Jesus was invited to. And, and, and the host of Pharisees, religious leaders, got really offended at Jesus because he didn't go by the law of doing the ceremonial hand washing. Well, in this case, they get offended not so much at what he doesn't do, but what he allows to take place. And here Jesus is at this dinner party, at this Pharisee's house, out of nowhere, this woman, which the Bible refers to as a sinful woman, bursts into the house, uh, goes straight to Jesus, falls at Jesus' seat, begins to cry, and then pours out this expensive bottle of perfume on Jesus' feet. Then she begins to wipe, and she cries so hard, the Bible says she wet his feet with her tears. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in verse 39 of Luke chapter 7. And let me know if this is up there because I'm used to since it. When the Pharisees who had invited him, Jesus, saw this, he said to himself, this is what Simon the Pharisee says, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. She is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Well, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave both of their debts. Now tell me, Simon, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one that had the bigger debt forgiven. And Jesus says, you have judged correctly. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Now, I hear a lot of churches talk about wanting Jesus. Man, we, we want Jesus in our presence. A lot of Christians say we want Jesus in, our la in, our, in, their, in their presence, their life. But when you study the life of Jesus, some of the things he said, some of the things he did, I'm not sure Jesus would be welcome in today's church world. Come on. We, because we have a different idea. We've got the Jesus we want to encounter, just like the Pharisees did. And then there's the real Jesus that we encounter. And, and Jesus began his public ministry at the age of 30. From the get-go, he didn't do things the ordinary way. I, I mean, he began saying things, doing things that the religious leaders, some of the other people, they didn't understand, so it didn't sit well with them. Uh, one of the things, Jesus was healing people on the Sabbath. That's against the law. You don't do that, Jesus. 
And so the, the religious leaders saw that. They didn't like it. Jesus was hanging out uh, with people, even eating with known sinners. If he were a real teacher, a real rabbi, he would know better than hanging out with these people. And, and the Pharisees, see, Jesus confused the Pharisees uh, because they, they knew the law. They knew the prophecies about the Messiah that they were waiting for, uh, that he would be born in the lineage of King David, uh, that he would be born of, of a virgin. He would be born in Bethlehem. Here's the thing. Jesus met all those, all those criteria. But what confused them about Jesus was this. Jesus wasn't acting the way they thought a Messiah should act. Come on. Doesn't that throw us off? God's not respond the way we think you ought to respond. When we see somebody out there that doesn't look like the Christian we think they should look like. Come on, don't tell me. I, see, see y'all know me. But when I walk into a room full of preachers at one of our uh, meetings, and I walk in there with a sleeve of tattoos, and oh, believe me, Kelly, why don't you wear long sleeves? Because I just want to mess with them. Let us be honest. And I, and, and because we've got an idea. And, and the thing is, he wasn't acting like the Savior, the Messiah that they thought he should. And, and here's the truth. What they were looking for, what they were wanting, is not a lot different than what we're looking for. A lot of people are looking for and wanting today. They were looking for a political Savior. You remember the story when Jesus entered in, they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Do you know what they were literally saying? Save us. Rescue us. And because they thought Jesus was going to come in and do away with the tyranny of Rome. And, and he was going to be this great political leader. And a lot of us think that's what we need. If we can just get the right person voted in office, he will set things straight in this world. How long have you been living? Come on. We've seen both parties have their say. Come on. And, and we have no, no short-term memory, and we think one person's going to get in that office and will change it. And that's what they were looking for, a political savior. And, and, and so here Jesus steps onto the scene, and he says, hey, hey, I've got a kingdom. And they're like, okay, okay, okay. But my kingdom's not of this world. And they couldn't understand Jesus, much less control him, so it didn't sit well with him. Well, PK, why did they invite him to the parties if they didn't really like him? You ever heard the saying, uh, keep your friends close and the enemies closer? That's kind of that. Well, we can't control him, so we at least need to get stay as close as we can. And so Simon, this religious leader, this elite leader, he invites Jesus over to his house for dinner. Jesus ends up going. While he's sitting there, all of a sudden, a sinful woman, the Bible says, Bust through the door. I love this woman's attitude, guys. She knows what people think about her. She knows the perception of her in that town. Come on, we, we, we're in a small town. Word gets around, right? And she knew how they perceived her, yet, yet she comes in, interrupts this party with all these religious elite leaders. Why? Because she's desperate for something different. She's desperate for change. She's desperate for her life to have purpose. She's desperate for something different than what she's been living with. 
And she, she puts, I don't care what they say about me. I've heard about this man that loves people right where they are, right in, in the middle of their mess. If I could just get to him, I've heard that he's not like the religious leaders I grew up with. If I can just get to Jesus. Can I tell you guys, that's what's far. We need to be that desperate for Jesus. We need to be desperate worshipers. People so desperate for Jesus, we don't care what others think about us. Come on now. Uh, people, well, people so desperate that we're not worried about trying to save face. We're just trying to see his face. Desperate. Desperate. What if we became desperate for God like this woman was? What if we became desperate for God in our homes, in our marriages, in our Sundays? services, Wednesday services, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. Let me ask you, if we, began, if we got as desperate for Jesus as this woman was in our Sunday services, Wednesdays, would that change the atmosphere of this place? Would, would Bob have to get up here and, and be a cheerleader to try to get us to worship if we were desperate for Jesus? No. No. In fact, I wouldn't even have Chris, I wouldn't even have to give an altar call. If we were desperate for Jesus, we would be like, God, I want you. Jesus, I need you. What if God, here's my question. We look at this, everything that has happened in our country. What if God allowed this to happen to try to get us back to a place where we're desperate for him? Because I've seen, come on. We, it's funny to me. We don't really want something until we can't have it. Come, are, are you following me? I mean, people, I saw people get up and arm. What do you mean the church is not essential? My, my brother Chris, Casey, and I opposed by this pastor and church planner out of California, a guy by the name of Yi Wang. Here's what he said. I love this. Christian, before you criticize the government, putting the church into non-essential business? Ask yourself first, did you do the same as a Christian? Did you treat the church as non-essential in your life? Did you skip services? Did you come in 10 minutes late or perhaps 30 minutes late? Did you treat the worship service as nothing more than a music concert or entertainment? Did you listen to sermons no different than self-help psychology? Don't be silly. We as Christians have long treated church as non-essential. That's why the world sees through our hypocrisy. No need to win a debate when you're sold. Ouch. In other words, we've lost our desperation for Jesus. We've lost our desperation for God. Maybe God allowed some of this to let us see how much we need him. How much we need community. How much we need our brothers and sisters. Uh, let's get back to the story because I'm, I'm getting off track. Jesus is sitting at this dinner party. In walked this simple woman, Simon, this elite Pharisee. He's the one that has invited Jesus over as a guest. Uh, he, he knows the protocol for guests. Uh, you greet them with a kiss. You wash their feet or at least have one of your servants wash their feet. And then you at least offer them a towel to dry them. Simon, knowing the protocol, did none of these. None of them. 
Uh, the very man he's been waiting for his whole life as a Jewish man, he's been waiting for the Messiah, is standing right in front of him, yet he does nothing that he should have done. The woman, though, comes in. Sinful woman comes in, immediately falls at his feet and begins to worship Jesus. I think it's sad that a sinner can recognize Jesus before church people do. Come on now. I know some of you like, Kelly, it's Mother's Day. Make us feel good. The sinner recognizes and shows Jesus more respect than the religious leaders. I mean, what, let me ask you, what do you think was running through her mind before she walked through those doors of that house? I, I, I could imagine that the enemy was using the oldest game play in the book, shame. I mean, you're going to walk in there to see this? And you know who's in there, the religious leaders, and they know who you are. They know what kind of life you've lived. They know the perception about you in this community. And you're going to walk up to Jesus. Do you think Jesus is going to see you any different than any of these other men play, have? And I believe he begins to whisper and play the shame game. And I tell you, he still uses that shame game to us today. I mean, he tries to shame us into not worshiping. He tries to shame us into not coming into the altar. He tries to shame us into thinking that our sin or our mistakes are way beyond His grace. And there may be some of you here today that the enemy is whispering in your ear, look at you. I can't believe you're still struggling with this sin after all this time. I can't believe you're still struggling with this addiction. I can't believe you're still... And I believe He's whispering it right now to some of you. Some of you... Look how you treat your wife. Look how you talk to your husband, your kids. And I tell you, if the enemy knows it'll work, I guarantee he's going to keep coming back to it time and time again. So I have to ask you, if you're taking notes, write this down. Don't allow shame to keep you from pursuing a relationship with Jesus. Don't allow it. I mean, this woman had every reasonable excuse not to go into this room with all these religious people. Uh, but she was so desperate for Jesus. And, she, and because of the, her desperation, she did not allow the shame of her past or anything she'd done to keep her from pursuing Jesus. She walked in this house one way and walked out completely changed. That is the power of relationship. That's the power of relationship. Uh, that's the power of an encounter with Jesus. When you walk in broken, when you walk in knowing what people think about you, and just one encounter of Jesus leads you walking out a different way, that's the power of relationship. Well, anybody know what um, a mosaic art is? It, it, it's, it, mosaic art is where you take shards of different things, whether it's glass, tile, rock, and, and, and they'll fit them together to make this incredible work of art. Things that other people would just throw away. Not a mosaic artist. He gets them and he forms this incredible, beautiful uh, uh, work of art out of these things that normally would be broken. Normally would be thrown away. That's what I see when I look at our church. We're a mosaic. A bunch of different broken pieces. Shapes and forms 
that other people might have thrown away. Other people thought were useless, but God said, no, 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 no. You know, peace, we're, we're pieces that, you know, when you're cleaning up a mess you're, and you're getting ready to throw it in the garbage can, hey, hey Jesus is like, uh, 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 I can use that. I, I said in the, in the night, and it wasn't even in my notes, and being come and said, hey, that, that part, he said, you need to say that again. I believe sometimes God goes dumpster diving. saw them throw that oh you think this is unusual or unusable let me dive in here let me pick up the pieces of what they thought were broken what they thought were sharp what they thought was unusable and i'm going to show you that i can i can restore and i can make something beautiful out of something you think is a mess and could never be used i'm saying that's what i see when i see watch bar church come on come on now Here's the thing. You may not hear this at other churches. You don't even have to believe like we believe to belong here. You know that? I, I, I want you to be a part of this community. You don't even have to believe. What I hope is this, is that once you feel accepted and loved and like you belong, that you're going to see something in somebody's life that says, oh, man, I, whatever it is, I need to get that. Come on, for too long the church has been a private social club where you got to look a certain way, be a certain way before you can be part of it. But I'll tell you, come in as broken, as jacked up, as messed up as you are, you are welcome here. Why? Because when, because when I look around, I see people that say, hey, I once was an addict. I once was broken. I once was jacked up. I once was messed up. I was once addicted to pornography. I was once an alcoholic. I was once addicted to pills. But the God, but Jesus. Come on now. I mean, Jesus does. What Jesus does in this moment, I love. Because this woman is there, and, and, and they begin, the religious begin to talk. Notice, they didn't talk to the woman or Jesus. They talk among themselves. That's what religious people do, you know. They, don't, they won't address you directly. They'll get with others to talk about you. If Jesus knew who he was allowed to touch him, he's no prophet. I love what Jesus does. Jesus turns his back from Simon. He's still talking to Simon, but turns to the woman. And begins and still talking to Simon. And, and here's what you need to understand. Religion judges, but relationship extends grace. Let me take it a step further. Religion accuses, but relationship says it's covered. You see, religion will give you, hey, if you'll do this, do this, do this, do this. But Jesus says, hey, with me, done. Done. It's done. All you got to do is step into it. It's done. See, Simon and the other religious leaders, they think they know everything about God. They think they've got, that they're not, that we know everything about God. But they don't even recognize him standing in front of them. And here's the thing. We read this story, and because we know what happens and we know everything, it's easy for us to read this story and look at Simon and say, How dare you, Simon? Let's be real. Let's say you were at home hosting a dinner party. 
Or maybe a cookout, and you had your friends all gathered around. You'd invited somebody special. You, to, to the, they'd came to eat with you. And then out of nowhere, this woman who's known in the neighborhood comes barging in and runs to one of your guests and begins to wipe her. What are you going to do? Oh, it's the South. We do that all the time here. Don't even worry about it. No. You're going to be like, what the? What is going on? Somebody get this woman out of here. Call the police. Somebody do something. Come on, am I not right? But Simon, the owner of the house, and nobody else says anything. Anybody else find that odd? I mean, if Jesus at least step in between, oh, 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 what's going on? Nothing. I, I, I mean, see, the Bible says a sinful woman, but most scholars agree this. That's a nice way of saying she was a prostitute. And that's why she had that expensive perfume. So where, how does a known prostitute come into a house of well-known religious leaders and nobody say a word to her? Unless this ain't the first time she's been to that house. Think about it. I mean, they see her coming in, they're like, oh. <laughs> let's go over here and talk. Let's, let's go over here and talk about them. Come on. But isn't that what religion does? Religion loves exposing the brokenness in others while hiding their own brokenness. Religion loves pointing out other people's sins but hiding their own. Come on. Am I being too real for you? The Bible says Jesus turned away from Simon to look at the woman, but he's still talking to the woman. Here's what you need to know. Jesus turns toward the broken, but corrects the religious. He turns toward the broken. Simon was a religious leader. He knew the protocol for having a guest over, especially a rabbi over. He knew that he should have greeted Jesus with a kiss. He knew that he should have either washed Jesus' feet or at least have one, a, a servant do it. He knew that he should have offered Jesus uh, something to dry his feet with. See, how Simon treated Jesus then from the moment he entered the house tells us what Simon really thought about Jesus. He didn't show Jesus the proper respect. And I'll tell you, oh man, this wasn't even in my 9 a.m., but I felt this. How you come into this place and how you treat the Spirit of God when you walk through those doors says a lot about how you feel about Him and His presence. Come on. Basically, Jesus is looking at Simon. He says, you knew what you should have done. You should have done all these things this woman's done, but you've not done one of them. Instead, you stood over there, you and your friends, and you silently judged her. Can I tell you, Watson Bar, if this is your house, the reason we've been placed in this community on this hill is not so that we can stand up here on this hill declaring how good we are, how together we are, how righteous we are. Come on. We have not been put up here to do that. Those that call this place home, you know we were once addicts. 
Come on, we were once lost, we were once broken, we were once hurting, we were once confused. The reason Watts Bar Church has been placed here is because God wants a place for others that are hurting, that are broken, that are addicted, that are lost. They know they can come to, and somebody's not going to judge them. <laughs> Planet Fitness, what, what's their motto? Anybody might know? I, that's an extra tough question, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> To y'all for a moment. Uh, this is a no judgment zone. That's what Planet Fitness says. Shouldn't that be the church? See, Jesus didn't win this woman over by judging her. Her life was changed because Jesus loved her in the mess she was in. Right where she was at. I, I've never seen a person won by someone on the street preach, uh, preaching on the street in their megaphones telling everybody they're going to hell. Not one time have I no, witnessed them out there, everybody's going to hell. And somebody will like, hey, I didn't realize I was going to hell. Let me change. Not, not once have I saw that. But I've seen it happen through relationships. Where they say, man, they're, they're different. Something's different about them. They don't judge me. They love me right where I'm at. I'm telling you, that's what this church here has been called to do. And, you know, I used to question, God, why would you bring me I mean, I grew up, I, I was a music pastor for 20 plus years. And God called me and my wife to pastor. And we're both like, why? God, do you realize we're probably more jacked up than the people you're going to ask us to pastor? And then I, I, I'm like, God, I know why. Because I believe the world is tired of seeing a false image on stage. Thinking, oh, they've got it all together, and me, we're the poor ones. No, we're all broken in some way, and we all need Jesus. We're all looking to him. None of us, uh, you know, the reason I attend church is not because I have it all together. I come to church because I need to get it all together. See, this church, we weren't placed here for the spiritually elite. We were placed here for the spiritually broken. Those who know, like the lady, something's got to change. I don't even know what I'm, this woman, this woman that entered that house, she didn't know the outcome. All she knew was that's got to be better than what I'm living in right now. Right now, I don't have a future. I don't have purpose. I don't have meaning. I've heard about this guy. And I'm willing to take a chance because even what I experienced in there has got to be better than living with no purpose and no meaning. Woman walks into this room, doesn't say one word, and I'm closing if I can get guys to come on up. All she does is walk into this room, falls at Jesus' feet, and begins to worship him. No words needed. Look what happens, verse 48. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say, see, they still can't wrap their minds around it. Well, what do you mean your sins are forgiven? 
But Jesus doesn't even pay attention to them. He says, your sins are forgiven and your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus said, what? Begin to worship. Listen to me close this Mother's Day. This woman's worship did what her words never could do. Said what her words never could say. There was no need for words. She just fell at her feet and began to worship. There's some of you here today, or maybe you're watching online, and you feel broken, you feel lost, you can, you feel confused, you don't really know what to do. Let me encourage you. Worship when you don't have the words to say. Worship when you feel overcome by worry. Worship when depression begins to settle in. Worship when, you, when the urge hits you to take another pill. Uh, worship when you don't know how to pray. Worship when it seems like your world is falling apart. Worship when you feel like there's no hope in sight. This woman's act of worship did for her what her words never could have done. She was broken to the point where she couldn't even say Jesus. Anybody ever been there? So broken, so hurt, so confused. You don't know how to pray. You don't know what to say. I mean, you're at the point where you thought, why even go on? I've been there. In fact, read an article this week about another pastor who took his own life. See, I, I agree, and, and I don't say this because of me. It's just, I, would, I, I would say this even if I wasn't a pastor. And I agree, man, those first responders, they are heroes. But I think about the pastors and those in ministry that haven't stopped working either, that haven't had, that haven't had a break from reaching out to their hurting that's in their congregation that haven't had a break of checking on people that haven't had a break and but, but that's just what they're supposed to Kelly and I read this article about this pastor that had everything to live for a thriving church I've been there that's why I say worship you don't know what else to do worship I've been there my wife has been there there are those in this place that can tell you they've been there broken so I want to end with a promise found in Deuteronomy but if from there you seek your Lord the Lord your God you will find him I just want to concentrate on that first part but if from there you seek the Lord your God you will find him from where from there your brokenness if you will seek him from your brokenness if you'll seek him from your confusion if you'll seek him from your hurting from the pain from your depression he says you will find him i said this wednesday night some of my greatest breakthroughs have come in my hardest times then i've come out on the other side of my pain my struggling and i've found myself with a more intimate relationship with god because of something I would never have wanted to go through.
Stand with me, Carl. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Fair team will come on up. Be get ready. Heads bowed, eyes closed. 